right, so we'll go <clears throat> three, two, one. Well, hey, Nick, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us today on the Pastors Roundtable. So stoked that you could be with us. Uh, man, why don't you just take a minute and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Nick Hand. I'm from uh, Fresno, California. Helped lead a church with uh, my dad uh, out here. He started the church 27 years ago. Kind of one of those stories uh, where he, plant, he planted a church before church planting was a thing. So he started, started it grassroots style as a Bible study uh, in our house. And uh, over the years, just been plugging away at it. We have uh, four different campuses in the Valley area uh, right now. And, um, and then we uh, also then, in the course of all of that, somehow, some way, <laughs> through uh, in our endeavors and his you know, leadership, we got plugged in uh, some ministry over in the Philippines. We have over 50 churches in the Philippines that, have, uh, that are part of our network. So... That's kind of like in short what we do, who we are, how we got here. Um, but it's been a wild ride, like for like anybody in ministry, you know. Dude, that's yeah, fifty campuses in in the Philippines. I didn't know about that. That's awesome. Yeah, over fifty campuses in the Philippines. Real crazy story. My dad, um, he he uh, he was invited to go there on a missionary's trip to carry basically the Bible of this traveling evangelist. And when he went over there. Um, he was, that's all I planned on doing, but they needed people to preach in their churches. So they asked my dad if he'd go preach in this one church. And he's like, okay, I'll go preach. It was a real small, like village church. Went and preached his heart out and uh, ended up, you know, wanting to pray for people who needed healing in their body. And a lady who was blind uh, received her sight and got her eyes. And uh, it started this budding relationship between my dad and this Filipino pastor over there. Um, where he became a part of our what we were doing our network, and so they start. We have over fifty churches in our network over there that started as a result of of that. Just absolutely crazy. Started with just carrying a Bible. <laughs> carrying a Bible wasn't the intent. He wasn't going over there to you know make connections or to network. It just man, his providence was God. That's crazy, man. So you also have a uh, podcast that you put out called uh, The Table, right? Yeah. So you got some, uh, some heavy hitters coming on. And so I know you've had uh, some, some great speakers already. So just tell us a little bit about The Table. Where can we get it? Where can they listen? Yeah, Table Podcast. You can get it, uh, obviously, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. It's available. You can type in The Table Podcast uh, with Nick Hand. It's a long-form conversation podcast. I think there's one thing that divides us as a nation, as a people, as humanity, um, is that we don't know how to have conversation. We don't know how to listen with the intent of learning. Um, we have a tendency to just want to peddle information in a world that really takes its cues off soundbite media. And I think where things are going, people are desiring to hear the full picture. I think that that's one thing that Christ kind of sets us up for. He gives us this picture, a different perspective and then puts us in a position to make a decision. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about conversation. I think you see that as humanity, we have more things in common than we don't. And so the goal of the podcast is really to be um, a mirror, to be able to see yourself in somebody who's different than you, to set you up with a perspective, a lens, where you can um, then begin to make decisions about things or own your beliefs based upon a full picture and not just sound bites of uh, different things. And so it's, it's been a cool ride, cool journey so far. We have a lot, a lot of way to go. So anyway, people can get plugged in and support that or listen. I, I think that, I think that your viewers, especially um, background of 
if you have a background of faith or church, and then sometimes just get, I think, in, in a industry where our job is to help to minister to people, sometimes just being able to hear the mentality of some of those people even helps you connect better with your audience. So no matter which way you slice or dice it, um, whether you agree with everything or not, I think that there's just so much to be learned from everybody. Yeah. And you got, you, you, uh, don't just talk to pastors. I mean, you guys talk to like fitness people, you know, all kinds of entrepreneurs, things like that. So just people of all kinds of walks and backgrounds come in and just share their story. And so, you know, what, you know, you, you, you talk about being authentic, you talk about being real, you talk about conversation. How do you feel like, I mean, I, I know you're doing that in the podcast, but I know you're passionate about that even within the local church. Yeah. So, I mean, what does that conversation look like for you guys? How are you guys implementing that? Or, you know, that's that, that, that conversation style of being authentic and real and not just these catchy sound bites. What, what's that conversation on your guys' end look like? Well, I think that what does the conversation look like? I think that, um, I think there's, there's a couple of different facets to it. I think that exactly what you're saying, a fight for authenticity. I think that that is the birthplace of it. Um, you know, seeking to have conversation, to understand, to be authentic and to do it in a way that, um, we live in a society that condones comparison. And I think that if you're going to be a person that has a voice worth following, you have to be determined to combat comparison in the culture that condones it. And when I say combat comparison, like everything in our world is setting us up to do things like other churches do it. You know, how is this church doing ministry? How is that church doing ministry? And I think we, we need to learn from other people that are doing other things because, again, I think it's a, a mirror where we see a little bit of ourselves or, oh, that's me, but this is also me over here. Being willing to explore all of the things that um, are other people's portrayal of authenticity, but then realizing that there is a reason that you have been put, one out of 400 trillion people, the chances of you existing, there's a reason that you have been put on the face of the planet and to try to fit into any other mold aside from what is authentic from the wellspring of your own soul is never going to give you the results that you want. And you may achieve fame, you may achieve accolades, but with that is going to come a pressure um, that you were never equipped to carry. And I think that that's how a lot, I think the lack of authenticity is what causes people to derail their lives where things that they used to be passionate about, they're not even passionate about it anymore because it ended up giving them, giving them a platform that they didn't really want. It's just one that they fell into. They came to the table because they were passionate about something and then people took that passion and they made it into their own platform where you end up despising the things that you used to love. So I think that approaching conversation is as far as authentic conversation is realizing that I'm not trying to get the other person to see things my way. My goal is to understand and then in communication to try my best to articulate in a way that I can be understood. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know you guys, even in your conversations about church planning and where to church plan, all those kinds of things, we've talked about that just the, you know, Hey, we got to find our rhythm, not just what their rhythm is. And so uh, just share a little bit about what, what, what you talk about there. Well, I think, I think church planting, if, if, if you're not careful, it just becomes the newest Christian church trend and you do it not because it's something 
that is solving. I, I, I talk in this conversation often about there's a difference between a template and a tool. A tool is used to fix a problem. A template is, oh, this is just the way that we do it. This is the way that we do things. And I think the moment something ceases to become a tool, it becomes obsolete. And I think a lot of people are using multi-site. What I find for us is if multi-site isn't solving, actively solving a problem, and it's just about you know, portraying a level of, how many campuses do you have? Or at eight campuses. And we, I mean, it sounds good, but if it's not actively solving a problem, I'm using a template um, that ultimately will create exactly what I was, was talking about earlier, a, a, a pedestal or a platform that I'm, I, I can't handle that pressure. And I think that we live in a world, especially within Christian culture, where there is, that is the, you have to figure out where is your standard of success? How, how are you defining that? You're defining that by the number of campuses or keeping up with the Joneses. Man, you got to kind of reconsider why you're at the table to begin with. So for us, the evaluation of multi-site is, is what problem is it solving? What, is, it, is it used as a tool or are we just doing it because it's what everybody else is doing uh, to try to keep up with what you know, success is in our industry? It's got to be more than that. Which is tough, right? Which is super tough. It's the hardest thing. I think it's the hardest thing in the world. That's why I, I keep coming back to, because uh, it's been a theme, the, the whole comparison thing. You have to decide in life if I'm going to strive for success or I'm going to steward my season. And I think that there are two different diverse approaches. If I'm going to strive for success, then I have to ask myself who defines success. For most people, that's going to be the culture. That is the essence of comparison. Success is when you have money. Success is when you have fame. Success is when you have campuses. Success is when you have thriving killer small groups. Success is X, Y, Z. Or I'm going to have a mentality where or I'm going to steward my season, meaning God, what is it that you have for us to do today, not tomorrow, to reach our community today, to find significance in every season, whether I have 10 people or 10,000 people, I have this ability to be fulfilled rather than being frustrated because I only have one campus with 200 people and they have eight campuses with 2000 people, you know? Yeah, which is tough, I mean, because you guys, started with your church, you serving your father, watching him. And so you come from a ministry family. So just talk, talk to us about that journey as being in ministry with your family. What does that look like? I'm sure there, there's been some fun conversations, some interesting conversations. So share us a little bit about that. I think working with family in general, whether you're in ministry or out of ministry is difficult. It is, it is one of the most difficult things and yet one of the most rewarding things um, if you can do it and I think that what it requires is a desire from both parties to be able to do it together the times that I see it not work for people is when there's independent vision as it pertains to where a ministry or a church or a business um, is going never seems to work because it's always the it's always the, especially when it's a father-son relationship, it's always a son waiting for his shot. Okay, dad, I need you to get out of the way. And then it's the dad always holding on because he doesn't know where he's going to go next because he's still, he's still a human and needs significance and needs something to do. I think the only way that it actually works within, nobody knows you like family knows you. So you muddy the waters with people who know your pressure points and know things to say and comfort on both sides, whether you be in my situation, a son or a father on the other side, you have to be willing to remember that, Hey, we're hopefully both fighting for the same thing here. 
and a commitment that, hey, we can have really tough conversations and we don't have to see eye to eye on everything and we may not do everything the same way, but at the end of the day, we're on the same team. I still only think that works if you have both individuals on the same page. If not, it's nearly impossible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I know you love pouring into new leaders. I know you love pouring into leaders that are brand new and been in the game for a little while. So what's some advice you'd give to somebody just kind of getting started here? As far as leadership development? Yeah, and, and, and ministry. Oh, ministry, learn to listen. I think sometimes we are answering questions people aren't asking. I think that we can, especially as preachers, you know, we get on our passion points. We've been in the game for, you know, it's a horrible way to say it, but it's the reality. We've been in the game for a long time now. And I think sometimes forget the cry of the people, you know, a lot of people are just there. We have a tendency to answer to put pressure on questions that, you know, answers that people aren't to questions that people aren't really asking. I think that we got to be, uh, if we want to minister to people to know where they're at. And, um, I think that, that that's why I am passionate about conversation is because you have to be willing to embrace the reality that where you're at is not where most people are at. It's just the brutal reality, especially in ministry. You're in such a bubble. So the more that you can have conversation, if you want to minister to people, have conversation with the people that you're trying to minister to. Ask them what they think about ministry. Ask them what they think about people who do what you do. Ask them about their experiences with those people because those are the ears through which they listen. And that's the lens through which they see. And if you're going to help be able to break down barriers that their burdens have created throughout their journey, you're going to have to know what those issues are. You know, got to talk their language. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, just getting outside of the church, getting outside of the walls, spending some time at the coffee shop, getting to know people. Is that kind of how yeah, you pick that I, up? I think, yeah. And I think that most, if I, I think that most pastors and preachers um, aren't comfortable with that. And I think that that's why it's awesome. There's things that I'll do, you know, certain, even when, when it comes to exercise or working out, I'll work out with guys that aren't in my church. I'll work out with guys that aren't even in my friend circles because one, it puts me in an environment where I am not the top dog, where nobody knows me based upon my giftings or my abilities or what I bring to the table. I'm just another guy. And uh, it, so it puts me in a position where I can act, people will actually tell me the truth. I think people in ministry and people who have leadership clout and they're in positions of authority, you don't realize most of, most of the time people are not honest with you because they're afraid of what might happen if they are or how you might view them. And so the more that you can find ways to have authentic conversation in whatever way that that works for you, for me, it works for the gym, maybe for somebody else, maybe just striking a conversation with a stranger at Starbucks, but being willing as a leader to take yourself off of the pedestal, which is challenging to be uncomfortable, which is also equally or even more difficult um, for the sake of, you know, actually hearing for, for humanizing yourself so that you can understand what it's like to be human, even as you've pressed past certain positions that maybe you've been uh, in the past, that you're not there anymore. What I'm saying is you, you conquer things in your spiritual journey that you're maybe not dealing with, but you forget that the majority of people are. And if you ever lose sight of that, I, oh, I had a conversation, I was in a room once, I think it was with, uh, it was Oral Roberts, and Oral Roberts was talking about, like, if he could do one thing different, he would have, 
you know, continue to slow down to hear the cry of the sheep, so to speak, is what the way he put it. But what he was talking about is to listen to where people were at, to listen to what they were going through, to, to continue to be sensitive to that. He thought that that was one of the things that should be prioritized the most. And so I think that that's one thing that stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. So you like going to the gym and uh, I know you like driving the car. So mm-hmm. what's that album? What's that song that's just on repeat right now for you? Oh gosh, it's different. Depends on the mood. It depends on the genre. Well, give us a couple, man. What's, what's the workout jam right now? A workout jam? I pick a playlist and I don't have like a work, honestly in the gym, because usually I work out with other people that I don't usually, I don't usually use music as much as a motivator. So I'm usually, it's my friends telling me, push one more rep, you know, or lift this, move that. <laughs> that's on, that's on repeat. Just keep going. That's just say, just shout at me some more. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the music I listen to. That's as good as it gets. <laughs> the, yeah, the music of the friends beating on you, all right? All right, well, okay, what's, what about uh, in the car, man? What are you jamming? Dude, driving down the road, there's this, uh, there's this, um, singer songwriter band called penny and sparrow i don't know if you're familiar with them but they just released an album called finch and i've been eating it up just their lyricism is incredible it's just right down my alley so i've been listening to that a lot all right what's your what's right now what's your go-to app for maybe personal ministry marriage something like that what's your go-to app right now um honestly i I do, I, i'm not that engaged in using a ton of apps aside from social media for the sake of Again, staying, staying, understanding what's going on and things like that. So I don't know that I'm not a huge app guy. Like I don't have, I, I, a lot of people do for me. It's not, it's not something that, that I do. Okay. All right. So it's kind of a disappointing answer, but that's, that's, that's me. I mean, it's pretty disappointing to be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> there's no like i would like i was going to give you a new app that you could like, i was hoping man. i was hoping for the new the latest I'm, I'm honestly one of those lame guys hopefully like people can relate to this but i don't use my phone for everything that it's for like it's really awesome that it could be networked to a bunch of different things but dude like i'm the guy that sometimes my son this is the guy that i am dude sometimes my apple watch will die and i'll still wear my Apple watch, <laughs> that's how lame, like, can I get a life? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's where I'm at. At least I'm being honest. That's where I'm at. <laughs> it's, I, I've got a bunch of watches that don't even work, but yeah. I still, I mean, they, yeah. they don't work at all. They, they're not smart. They're dumb watches. Yeah. They're dumb watches to begin with. And then they don't even work anyway. And I still yeah. wear them. Cause... But when you need the bling, you need the bling. That's what you gotta do. <laughs> Oh, all right man. all right so so you know you've you've played a lot of different roles in your church right yeah. now you're overseeing staff you're seeing campuses all kind of stuff so what yeah. are some of those big rocks those appointments that you know you gotta get right now i mean even right now you guys are filming uh you know for some testimony videos things like that but what are some of those weekly big rocks uh not the out of the normal ones like hospital visitations or like what you're doing right now filming but what are those some of those weekly Man, every week, these are the big rocks. We got to fit these in. This is what moves the needle forward for us. Okay, so for me, my the, the way that my mind works, my authentic self, I, I oppose the grind. So I have to find ways to have meetings that move the ball forward, but at the same time are not so routine that my psychology resists them. 
um, because I'll, I'll do that. I'll get into a, a routine where maybe I keep a meeting schedules for three months and then I have to switch it. So what I do is I have, especially when it comes to working with teams, there are certain, like I'll call them like culture coaching meetings um, or vision and values meetings. As long as I can forecast where we're going and keep that really clear, keep the, then it doesn't matter what other meetings I have, as long as everybody knows exact, here's, here's what we have to block and tackle. Here's the thing, here's the non-negotiables. As long as I fight to continually week after week, keep that clear, then it allows me to change up my meeting schedule and it not cause everything to start crumbling down because people aren't getting FaceTime or communication time. That's continuing to evolve, but for me, those are the main things. So for us, you know, coming back to like when it comes to church, like what, what, uh, what are we about as a church? Why do we show up every day? What are, we try- what are we trying to accomplish? And we have a thing that we take people through, understanding, you know, what we're trying to do with people and spiritual de- growth or spiritual development, making disciples, however you want to say it. Um, there's a specific thing that we have our team members bought into as to how we do that or how that works. The more I can push those things, I mean, in church culture right now, it's like, a lot of churches are adapting like the big four that comes from Highlands, you know, the, the no God, um, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference kind of thing. Um, so whatever your things are, like I find as long as I block and tackle those things in a routine way, then it allows the rest of my schedule not necessarily to have to be routine. Some people thrive in that. Some people thrive in routine. For me in leadership, I've had to, and that's one thing that's been a challenge. That's why, honestly, to begin with, I never thought that I really fit within the pastoring church world because the way that I'm geared is so different, honestly, than my dad or other pastors that I've seen. So to be able to uh, allow myself even to be me and not feel like, oh, I got to do a meeting schedule like Rick Warren or whoever else, whoever you're, you know, you're listening to, um, in order to, to really be authentic, I had to free myself from a lot of that. So the way that I do that, again, I block and tackle the things that matter most. I identify that, what matters most, and then it enables people to really go after the things that matter, that just matter. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure you're doing a lot of preaching right now. Uh, you're taking a lot of that, that currently. So what does that look like for you? What does that sermon prep time look like? What are you using? What are you, where are you at? What, what's that process look like for you? Yeah, it, it, for me, it's it's always different every week. I am community right now. Lately, it has been an every weekend thing, so it's it's very much that schedule. I find the the process that it's changed so much. There's there's and I'm, let me just talk through this because I think it's important as a communicator to allow yourself to evolve, to experiment with different things, to find what what saddle, so to speak, fits you the best, what shoe fits you the best, what what jacket, what, whatever example you want to use. You got to find the thing that that works for you. And so I say that to say to communicators out there, allow yourself to go on that journey to try things and to set things aside, to incorporate new things. I can remember times where I would sit and I would literally, uh, one thing that would help me even track through my thoughts because I knew what I wanted to communicate and I would bullet it out. But like a lot of the transitions, I wouldn't know how I was gonna go from one thing to another. So I would literally practice typing out the whole thing that I would say from beginning to end. I would just type it once and then I would throw it in my trash, throw it away. But it was a way to work through in my mind what I was going to be doing so that when I went to preach it, it wasn't the first time I had worked through those transitions intellectually. 
Now, um, what I do more that's working for me now is I let the concept, the thoughts, the ideas, it's almost like a crock pot. Like if I get a thought or idea, I let it simmer before I sit down and kind of write it out as long as I can. Because I, the more I think about it, the more I pray about it, the more I meditate on it, um, the more um, I'm able to actually own it internally. And I feel like the more I've owned it int internally, when I actually sit down to craft it, then I'm most prepared to actually give my best shot of what I want to communicate when I'm talking to people on a Sunday. So the longer that I can internalize it, I put things in my phone. I keep a running list, uh, depending on what topic or what, like for me, like, um, usually what's coming next. I'll have kind of some thoughts or ideas for maybe a passage of scripture that I'm reading as I'm going throughout my day with my kids because, or things like this, my schedule's kind of hectic. So as it's, as I get it, I make sure I put it in my phone. So then I have this whole internal well, external well to actually pull from when I sit down to say, okay, hey, here's where I, you know, we're down, down now to the weekend, but it's not as difficult now than to internalize my content because it's already internalized if that makes sense, versus sitting down to write it like an essay. I've done it that way too, where you sit down and you're, you know, reading a passage of scripture and what thoughts am I going to pull out of this? Well, then what I'm doing, what I found is I'm trying to take something that I've written and to get it in me internally, it comes out a whole lot more naturally when I get it internally first and then work through the kinks, you know, or whatever in my, in my prep time, if that makes sense. I think that it's an evolutionary process for me. It has been so. I'm sure it will continue uh, to evolve. But if I was giving any tips, allow yourself to experiment with different things that may work for you. You know, everybody has a clinic on how you should prepare a sermon. But remember that clinic came from what works for them and their psychology and their giftings and their talents and their abilities. Yours are most likely a little bit different. So it may not work for you. So again, it all comes back to the authenticity thing for me, learning from people, but letting myself um, kind of, again, find the, the shoe that fits. Yeah, I think you're right on right there. You know, trying some different things, right? Like the Judah Smith seven points or the Andy Stanley one point. Is yeah. it the, you know, whatever it might be, right? And, and you can kind of morph that into some of your own. I think taking some of those elements, trying some of them, figuring those out. That's, that's good. But I think what you're saying too is not just saying, okay, this is exactly my style, but even yeah. once you kind of feel it kind of allowing that to evolve over time as well. Man, find your voice. If there's anything that I could, I mean, I, I, like you said, I've grown up in the church. So I've, I mean, I've been, you know, preaching and stuff like that, whatever you want to call it for, for, a, for a long time, but it's different, so different. And I think one of the things that I wish I would have done differently is taken time to find my voice early on. I, I, I went through a time where for oh, well over a year, I didn't listen to a single preaching podcast because I needed to figure Wait, out. are you allowed to say that? <laughs> well, I just did. <laughs> I the conventional mold anyway. You got the wrong guy. We, we got, we got time out, man. You're the wrong guy. You're the wrong guy. <laughs> um, so over a year, I didn't listen to a single preaching podcast because I, was, I, was, I felt like that's what I need to do to find my voice. Whether you like it, all the people you admire, you're naturally, it's human to pick up things about them. But if you don't really know who you are and tap into that, you're literally by default going to just become another whatever, you know, another version of something. So I think that even if that's similar to somebody that you admire and you may end up being that, taking time to actually be okay with that and go within yourself and, and, and tap into the internal well of what gift has God placed in you and what is that supposed to sound like or feel like and, 
And no doubt we have this responsibility to hone our craft. I'm not talking about that, but I think that you can only hone your craft once you first identify your voice. And when you know your voice and you know like what you are supposed to be and own, and own it on a fundamental level where you're, where you're completely not trying to jump through hoops to appease people or to just get speaking gigs or just to be the next hot preacher. I mean, but I'm talking about trying to find my voice so that I can be effective doing whatever it is that God put me on the face of the planet to do with the voice and the influence that he's given me. Then and only then can you embark on the journey, I think, to be a, a good, a skilled, uh, bettering your communication skill in a way that's authentic. Yeah, so a lot of your journey, it sounds like there's a lot of wrestling with the Lord, a lot of personal time with the Lord, just kind of milling over your thoughts and your feelings of what is God speaking to me? What is God, what is God doing with me right now? And how is this text interacting with my daily life? And so what does that journey look like for you, spirituality, your, your own spiritual uh, journey? What does that look like for you? For me, spirituality, I, I, my, my goal as it pertains to spirituality I could put it in one word and that word would be surrender. It's the quest of my life. And when I say surrender, for me, it's a very specific definition. For me, surrender is letting go of my idea of how I think things should look. The ultimate quest of my life to every single day be surrendered to Jesus, to let go of my idea of how I think things should look. I think if there is a wrestling match, that is the one to keep my life out of my hands and in his. It's human tendency to want to micromanage and control, especially my personality type. I want to know how things end up and where we're going and what we're doing. But I realized that only when I surrender, only when I let go of my idea of how I think things should look, do I connect with the one who actually put me on the face of the planet, reminding myself, you are not creator, you are created. And so the only way you can understand fully what your assignments are while you're passing through this temporary home called earth is to keep your life out of your hands and in the hands of someone else to not buy into the lie that your ego tells you that you are the one driving the ship. And I think that for me, my ultimate quest in spirituality, fundamentally surrender. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, I know you're a reader and part of your journey with, with that surrendering is coming through re books and reading what you're reading. So what's a book that you recommend that you gift out that's maybe made an impact on your life? There's a lot. I think that all in all, um, I'm a big Donald Miller fan. Um, when he wrote Blue Light Jazz, that was a book that really changed my life. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it kind of took spirituality, Christianity, and it, I felt, I felt like it made it, um, less about religion and more about relationship. I think that that's the crux of, of what really matters. I think on both sides, I think he's a great writer as it pertains to that. And then I, so I recommend Blue Light Jazz spiritually, but then uh, for people that are in leadership, branding, business sphere, uh, he has a book called Story Brand. And it's just, it, 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 it will take any business church organization to the next level if you apply those principles. It's pretty pretty mind-boggling. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, it's straight fire. Yeah. Yeah. Story brand is a great book. Great. I've, I've actually uh, used some of their materials. Just, I mean, it's just, it's super challenging because oh, yeah. a lot of what it says is really like simplicity is very hard. Dude, it's the hardest thing. And isn't that the truth? Like in anything that we do, like it, it's almost like too simple. That it's like, I don't know. That's it, It's cause it's work to be simple. It's work 
it, I felt like in, in communicating, it's work to actually, okay, put that in one sentence now, just so, just so that you can say that you can. You can say it in 20 when you tell people, but can you say it in one? And I think that if, if we could ever fight to do that, that's why I think it's powerful. You could, most of the time, we don't even really know what we're trying to say. We, we, in, we internalize the ideas because it's coming from within us, so we psychologically understand it. But if, we had, if somebody was saying, what are you trying to say? Most communicators have difficulty really putting it into words. How many times, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this, because I've experienced this as a communicator, prepping a message, and you get all into the weeds of a message, and then it's like, what am I talking about again? What is the take-home point? What do I want people to remember from this? You know, here I am struggling over what are my points going to be, or analyzing, like, some portion of the scripture is like, dude, like, what do you, what do you want them to leave knowing? Like, can we just start there? You know? Yeah. It's so complicated. I mean, it, it took me, you know, like two, three, four, five drafts rounds. I mean, like over weeks to like come up with like a one sentence thing right. to, oh, to yeah. explain like what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. And, but I had, I had like hours of conversation with the, the guy who was helping me come up with it. It was like, I talked for a long time and he's like, yeah, but you're not there yet. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm saying a lot of things. He's like, but you're not there yet. I know it's grueling. And so I was like, man, the, it, it's so complicated to be simple. So it uh, it, I should say complicated. It's so, so tough. I mean, to be it really, is. because especially as, as pastors, you know, a lot of us just talk and talk and talk and talk, but have we have actually said anything? No. And that's the hard part because you get, you understand what you're saying, but like, if you want to be effective, and I think that that's the powerful thing about what uh, Don does is that if you want to be effective, you're going to, it's like I was saying earlier, like you've got to talk the language that, so that people can understand, you know? Yeah. So in that, in that I'm being simple, trying, you know, you guys have tried church plants, you have to try campuses, you guys have tried all kinds of things. So in your personal life, or maybe as a church, where's when's the time where, where failure has actually set you guys up for success or maybe you personally? Well, I think every time it does in, in the sense of you learn something. Um, I think that we're always trying to crack the code of solving problems and that will never end because we live in a culture that is ever evolving. So the second you solve today's problems, you're going to have tomorrow's problems and you're not going to solve them right hundred percent of the time. So I think it's, I think in a lot of ways it's, there, there is, there is a, a guilt and a shame in our society when it comes to the, the term failure. So I think you at some point have to redefine and use different terms. You know, for us, the more I think of, you know, when you say failure, we have to decide how is, what is that defined by, you know, because I think the way that God works, sometimes God is more obsessed with assignment than he is outcome. And so I think there's a lot of times that things that we deem failures that God says, you know what, that was mission accomplished. I think for people, this is why I think people should not be ashamed to shut down multi-site when the season is up. I think that I have the courage, if, if we believe in a God that leaves the 99 to go after the one, I think maybe he would have you start up a campus just to reach a family. And if you deem that as a failure when you shut it down, well, it's a failure to you, but to God, it may be mission accomplished. So for, for us, I think that obviously all the principles have failed forward. And, but I think for us, it's problem solving. It's evolving with culture as culture evolves and not getting caught up, not getting caught up in, in you know, the pressures of, oh, that was a failure. I think that what we're bent on is more assignment. 
I heard, um, I don't remember the pastor's name, oh, Stovall Weems say one time, and it's just stuck with me. He said, on this earth, he doesn't believe we have a destiny. Our destiny is heaven. But while we're here on earth, we do have assignments. And I think that that resonated with me. That means every season of my life, God has things for me to do. And I'm not the judge if those things are successes or if they're failures, they're missions. And I think the more that we can commit to the mission that we're called to, the more rest and joy and peace we can find in the process because I'm not trying to get there to be happy. I'm happy and understanding, okay, that was a season, but that season's up. And I think the more that we can, I think we need courageous leadership, people to not just have the courage to start things, but the courage to say, okay, we're not doing that anymore. And to know that regardless of what people think, there's times to say, well, we're not supposed to be doing that anymore. It was an assignment, mission accomplished. So I think redefining failure, I think embracing it, I think embrace, you know, not allowing yourself to be prisoner to it and not making it a bigger deal than it is. Yeah, that's good. I love the fact, like what you said, the destination is heaven, right? That's the ultimate destination, not this current, this little thing that we're doing right now. The bigger actual destination is heaven. And I think what you're saying is like, you know, when you keep that in mind, that's the destination. All these little things are just kind of bumps in the roads or little hills. Even the huge successes are just little bumps. Well, I think you got to be honest that a failure, pain in life is anything that doesn't go my way. That, that's, that's how humans define pain. What, what is, well, that's painful. Why is it painful? Because it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. That's why I say like for me, that surrender concept is so pivotal in becoming the person that you want to be because life isn't always going to go your way. And when you encounter that, you encounter pain, which I think is friends with failure. I mean, I think that that's what failure, failure, failure is. It, you know, it wasn't the outcome that I wished for. So I think the more you can, we can all fight for that, like you're saying, that bigger perspective. Guys, there's so much, there's so much more than whatever it is that we thought we were supposed to accomplish with these things. Um, and to re- just remember, you are created, you are not creator. So even when you have a plan and a game plan, there is somebody, there is somebody that sees more than we see. Trust that, rest in that, find joy in that. That's tough. So yeah. what's something that brings you renewal? Um, I think for me, the, it's, a, it's the simple things. I think that there's a lot of simple things. Um, I think for everybody, they're different. For me, it's as easy as time to unplug. I think, uh, so for me, again, practically speaking, time with my family, time at the gym is a big one for me. Um, times where I can unplug and put things in perspective. If I've made one giant mistake, it's getting too deep into the work where I don't have a perspective of what's really going on and not even realizing it until you, you know, get to a place where you're forced to take a break. I think that, you know, the more I can fight for that soul renewal consistently, the healthier I become. So I try, I think all those little things, things for, for me, it's family. Um, it's recreation. Uh, it's quiet for me. It's quiet. I can be my personality. I think a lot of people can be like, can relate with this. I, I can come across, um, somewhat of an extrovert, but I don't recharge with, with people. So I need those, I need those breaks as much as it, you know, I may be in the public or communicating in the public, um, allowing myself those and, um, even, 
even when the pressures of people push me otherwise, you know, embracing it. I don't take space for the renewal, family, gym, getting outside, getting quiet, taking breaks, take, you know, going to, you know, listening to my soul, my spirit, listening to God and, and knowing what are the moves I need to make in the season that I'm in, because I think that it changes. The more that I do that, the healthier I am. So it's different all the time. That's great. That's great. It's not, it's not just a set formula for you, but I love that going to the gym, you know, so many people just getting that out, out, getting the yeah. frustrations out, you know, letting your friends yell at you a little bit, you know? Yeah. I think that a lot of times, you know, there's, there's things, I mean, your God, God has made your body to do those kind of things. And I think sometimes, sometimes we'd love to pray the stress away and that's cool. But I think like, go work out. And I think that God can use that sometimes just as that, that's your answer to prayer get up and do something. I think a lot of times we pray for things we should work for. We work for things we should pray for, you know, but when you, when you find the things that sometimes are, you know, it's painful now, but man, it produces that provision of mental rest and ease. Like I, literally yesterday I was feeling this, I was exhausted, tired, had preached two services at a church um, down south for us, drove home. When I drove home, I went right to the gym. I didn't feel like it. And I told myself, no, you're just going to do it. Dude, after that workout, I, it was like a complete reset. It was so painful to go do the workout, but the ride home, it's like, Nick, remind yourself of this. When you're feeling that, go do that again, because everything in your mind will tell you not to. You'll try to tell yourself why you shouldn't. But honestly, sometimes just those simple things, I could have gone home and just felt groggy or whatever, but it's a reset of your soul, your mind, your body releases those endorphins and it fixes things, it really does. That's great. Nick, hey, thank you so much for your time. Guys, check them out. It's uh, the Table Podcast. Get it on YouTube. Download it on all the podcast apps there. Uh, Celebration Church in Fresno. Check them out. They're doing some great stuff. And uh, it's, his handle is at uh, Nick Hand. Okay. Check them out, man. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for joining us. And we'll see you guys uh, here soon.